You are listening to The Booked Podcast. This is Chuck Wendig, author of Blackbirds and Mockingbirds. You are duct taped to a chair with your eyelids peeled back. Please enjoy the ride. Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Sned. And this week we are reviewing a little bit of a sci-fi book, which is a, a departure for the Booked team. Uh, the book is Annihilation. The author is Jeff Vandermeer. Jeff Vandermeer is an award-winning novelist and editor. His fiction has been translated into 20 languages and has appeared in the Library of America's American Fantastic Tales and multiple years best anthologies. He writes nonfiction for the Washington Post, the New York Times Book Review, the Los Angeles Times, and The Guardian, among others. He grew up in the Fiji Islands and now lives in Tallahassee, Florida with his wife. It's probably a little different from the Fiji Islands, huh? I don't... <laughs> I honestly, I can't say that I know very much about the Fiji Islands, enough to make a, an honest comparison of the two. Yeah. Well, that's all I wanted to pick, because the other stuff, yeah, Washington Post, whatever, New York Times, whatever, but Fiji Islands, <laughs> that's something to talk about. That that does stand out a little bit. Do you remember talking about Jeff Vandermeer on like one of our first, I think it was our first interlude episodes, like episode six or something? No, I don't. I probably should. <laughs> All right. I'm going to jog your memory. So we were talking about, um, we had come across, and I'm not going to remember this completely. If I was a, if I was good at doing, like, you know, my homework, I could have re-listened to the episode, but I didn't. Um, I believe we were talking about, we had seen something about someone asking, I'm talking about unconventional horror stories or just, like, really scary horror stories or something like that. And you and I talked about that a little bit, and then we talked about how he had done this, um, really comprehensive steampunk um, almost encyclopedia type thing. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. I do remember that. Yeah, I didn't remember that was him, to be honest. That was Jeff Vandermeer. So this guy has been on our radar for uh, easily three years. It's crazy. Did you just go all Southern and say Raider? Did I say Raider? It sounded like, yeah, he's been on our Raider. These these guys have been on our Raider. our jobs. Very good. All right. Well, getting off to an excellent start here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the book, Annihilation, that we're going to be talking about tonight. This is kind of an expansive synopsis, so I hope I can uh, get through it in one piece. Area X has been cut off from the rest of the continent for decades. Nature has reclaimed the last vestiges of human civilization. The first expedition returned with reports of a pristine Edenic, Edenic landscape. All the members of the second expedition committed suicide. The third expedition died in a hail of gunfire as its members turned on one another. The members of the 11th expedition returned as shadows of their former selves, and within months of their return, all had died of aggressive cancer. This is the 12th expedition. Their group is made up of four women, an anthropologist, a surveyor, a a psychologist, the de facto leader, and our narrator, a biologist. Their mission is to map the terrain and collect specimens to record all of their observations, scientific and otherwise, uh, of their surroundings and of one another, above all to avoid being contaminated by Area X itself. They arrive expecting the unexpected, and Area X delivers. They discover a massive topographic anomaly and life forms that surpass understanding, but it's the surprises that came across the border with them and the secrets the expedition members are keeping from one another that change everything. Um, so that's a synopsis and then a little postscript here. Annihilation is the first volume in Jeff Vandermeer's Southern Reach trilogy, which will be published throughout 2014. Uh, volume 2, Authority, 
is going to be released. Actually, there's an actual release date of May 6th on Amazon, and then Acceptance uh, will be out in September. Sound familiar at all to you? Releasing three books in one year? Um, no. God, man, I, nothing you say is going <laughs> to jog my memory tonight. <laughs> Just woke up Livius from like a coma. Um, Chuck Wendig with uh, the Miriam Black books. Was that all in one year? Yeah. Oh, wow. It was all in 2013. Nice. No, I didn't. I didn't realize it was all in 2013. So, mm-hmm. oh, very cool. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, short books, or at least the first one is is fairly short at 200 pages, uh, just a hair over 200 pages, and then two more that I would just kind of have to assume are going to be in that same range, right? Is that fair to say? I'd guess so. Yeah. Like, like volume two can't be 700 pages. That's what I'm thinking. So what a fucking trick that would be like it's 200 pages it's really it wasn't not that it was quick to get through or anything but um uh and then he just drops like a, a like a, a 1q84 on us oh god 1q84 that's the last time we read anything science fictiony i think 1q84 let's see if this holds up better than that uh all right so um yeah the synopsis um covers uh, 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 really a lot uh, of the story and this is one of those stories where i don't know how much we can go into so i'm glad that the synopsis gave us a, a little bit to work with you know kind of some boundaries that we can try to keep so yeah for the first time ever livius doesn't have to remember any character names yeah um he yeah he helped us out in that but yeah it's going to be tough to really dig into much more detail than that because um essentially the book is an an ongoing mystery that's unraveling and that's the entire conceit of the book is that you we're seeing this through the 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 eyes of the narrator who's the biologist one of the people are that are in this expedition and they go in knowing next to nothing um and the information they already have is very unreliable and that's all we know because we're seeing it through this narrator's eyes and so this mystery unravels for us as it does for her, and um, that's that's kind of we, there's really not going to be very much we can dig too deeply into. Right, and it's it's written from a point of almost a journal. So what we're really getting is is somebody trying to convey the information as they're getting it to us, um, which makes it a little more different than it was because it's very the very first person in, in that way versus kind of being omnipotent narrator where we get to see some different things. We really do learn with the biologist who, um, much like Area X having its own secrets, our biologist has some secrets that uh, come out through the course of the book as well. It's kind of a nice mix of what's happening in the moment and then um, some reflections on her life before going on this expedition. Um, I think we learn early on that her husband... Can I say that? Yep. Was a member of one of the earlier expeditions, and and so it's nice to see that insight. Um, we learn about how she, you know, came to care for biology and eventually would become a biologist, and that look at her childhood and the fascination with with nature and stuff in general. I thought was really um, a nice break from the really surreal weirdness that happens when we're in Area X. So Area X is the uh, fifth character in this book. Um, as we discover, like it said in the synopsis, it's been cut off for, for decades from the rest of the continent, not being very specific what continent that is or even that it's on Earth, right? Did you get that feeling right. that it was very vague, kind of purposely vague? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, it's 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 a little different. Although at first appearance is not any different than than our own locale, so to speak. There's you know there's a village and there's a lighthouse and there's all these other kind of very normal human things. But basically, it seemed to me that uh, at one point it had been cut off because something had gone awry in what is now Area X, and it's. Um, you know, when I said it's kind of science fiction-y, um, I mean, that's really the only way I could think of of, of putting it, because it doesn't really have that fantasy slant to it as much as it does a weird kind of almost alien vibe. Mm-hmm. I'll go with that, yeah. So the bulk of the Area X story uh, takes place over a very, very small portion of land. I guess we're never really... It's never very specific about how big Area X is, but it's around something that... Uh, <sighs> that the protagonist calls um, a tower and is very, very specific throughout the course of the book that she feels it's a tower, even though it's a kind of tunnel that goes into the ground. Kind of like a tower, but like you're walking in from the top. Yeah. And like, and that happens very early on. And that's our first indication that it's probably going to be really weird. And what people's perceptions of what going on, what is going on are going to be probably quite unreliable. So, um, from the beginning, you're just kind of expected to understand. Um, you don't really know what's going on. You can just kind of um, take what they're saying at whatever value you, you want to give it. But um, it's kind of cool because so essentially very early on, once the expedition first gets to what's been established as the ongoing base camp for all these expeditions, um, one of the first things they do like when they go out, and, and really this book takes place over the course of less than two weeks, um, the first day they kind of go out exploring, they go, they find this tower slash tunnel, and um, uh, after a vote, decide to, to explore a little bit into it, and uh, not a lot happens, but so much happens, because um, our biologist's uh, observation of what's going on in the, in the tunnel slash tower slightly varies from what it seems the other people are perceiving, so right, right at the, off the bat, we know weird shit's going on. Um, the things that they're observing are kind of weird as well, and uh, and it's it's obvious from the beginning that there's a lot of deceit amongst the group, but also um, that looking from the perspective of the narrator, her um, intentions or compulsions to do things might be uh, being influenced by by her surroundings. So um, a lot of the really interesting parts of the book are just watching how these people act um, based on how they're being influenced with what's going on around them that they have no way to understand or control. Yeah, and it's set up that way by design. I mean, you know, the, the, the gist of it is we have a government organization that's sending these people in there only telling them what they want them to know and then wanting them, obviously, with, with some ulterior motives of specific things they'd like to do. Um, there's the whole um, the, the hypnosis thing. So the psychologist um, has hypnotized them with um, as part of their preparation with things like, oh, I can make you calmer if you get really crazy or, you know, I can make you not want bacon for a week or whatever it is. You know? So <laughs> you already see just from that first thing like, oh, there are all these like kind of pre things put into our heads that this is uh, not exactly what it appears to be. And of course, you know. The evil government. That's how they do things. That's how they wrote me into everything. By hypnosis? The government's hypnotizing you? I th- I'm thinking that that's possible. I wouldn't put it past them. 
Yeah, they just gotta someone's gotta get on TV and say the right word, and all of a sudden I'm a tax paying citizen again. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> again? Yeah. All right. So I don't know why I found that so funny. Um, but again, difficult to talk about like the actual goings on of the book. Um, realistically, based on the foundation and the type, you know, the kind of setup that we've given you. The book plays out, and, and even in the synopsis, it talks about the fate of the different expeditions that came before. Not all of them, but some of them. And so we kind of get to watch. It's kind of been trending that these expeditions fall apart in one way or another. And, and, and we, we're building, on the, we're writing on this constant anticipation of trying to figure out how this particular expedition is going to fall apart, um, which is it's, it's something that really keeps you... Uh, invested in, in reading the book for sure. At least it did for me. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. The other thing I'm going to say is, and I'm not, I'm not a big fan of science fiction. I know I mentioned that probably at the top of the episode, and I mentioned it you know, frequently enough. But what really got me about this book is that it managed to still be very ominous and frightening in a you know, kind of classic horror way. You know, you've got this person who, by and large, um, throughout the course of the book, is alone. Um, kind of facing the unknown, and we're seeing it through through her eyes. Um, I mean, there were like even hints of, and not that you know it was borrowed from or whatever, but it was like kind of like House of Leaves, like the exploration of the tunnel reminded me of. Uh, yeah, I had a very House of Leaves feeling of that too. Yeah, and it was it was fairly frightening for what on its surface appears to be a sci-fi book. Not saying that sci-fi isn't can't be frightening. It just wasn't what I expected. It kind of got me in a. In a uh, in a Twilight Zone kind of way, where um, you buy so much into a story that you're, I, I just expected some sort of real weird twist, you know, of of mm-hmm. your perception of the story that was just going to be like, oh, this is freaking me out. So that's kind of I was always on the edge of like, this is the point where we're going to get that twist. So it was very suspenseful. So um, you want to move on to some quotes, as I think we can't really talk anymore about story. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, and um, Livius, actually, this is a book that both of you, you and I, have read. Um, that it reminded me of not at the beginning, but as as I read, it, it, the book is less than two hundred pages. It's like one ninety five, I believe, something like that. I have the actual print book. Thank you, Nikki Gerlain, by the way, for for uh, gifting that to me. Um, very little dialogue um, because it, it's really an observation, almost like journal-like. Uh, like Olivia said, um, very, very little dialogue, and it reminded me in a lot of ways of uh, the book Perfume by Patrick oh. Suskind. Suskind. Yeah. Um, because that book, being from the perspective of, of a person who was so removed from society, uh, relied so heavily on, on the very um, visual description of, of the world and how he experienced it. It was very dense and um, contained almost no uh, dialogue at all, so this reminded me a lot of that in that way. Dude, how cool would it have been to be able to review perfume on here? Oh, we almost have to now. <laughs> God, such a great book. Such a good anyway, book. Yes, though, yeah, that's, and that's that very kind of personal first-person look, mm-hmm. I think is what it is, because we've read lots of stuff that's in first-person, but like you said there's a lot of dialogue, there's a lot of interaction, and there's a lot less, um, typically in a lot of those books, there's a lot less 
um, you know, reflection of what's going on versus yeah. kind of more of the action. And this isn't terribly action driven um, as far as a book goes. A lot of it is, is observation based. Mm-hmm. And then there's the constant, um, I shouldn't say constant, there's the frequent looks back between, uh, to the relationship between the biologist and the biologist's husband. So I guess that kind of breaks up a little bit, even though it's all very, you know, introspective. It's, you know, I think you just, the, uh, you created a new, uh, um, perspective for, for writing first personal. Mm-hmm. There you go. First personal done, <laughs> done. And give up this podcast now. I've created something. Copyright booked. Anytime anybody writes in the first personal, we have to get a kickback of some kind. Done. I'll have our uh, lawyer. We don't. Even, we don't have lawyers. So we're not big enough. We just have lawyer. It's a guy who lives down the street from me. I'll have him look into that. <laughs> He's got that uh, legal zoom, right? Yep. All right. Good. Yep. That thing's foolproof. We're gonna be millionaires before you know it. <laughs> legal zoom. Oh man, they actually do like podcast advertising and stuff. This would be a perfect time for us to like have a paid advertiser. There you go, Legal Zoom. You want on? Get in touch. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just wanted to point that out because um, the book, uh, this book, Annihilation, is very, very visually, and this is going to segue greatly into quotes because I have some really good uh, description or some very good examples of. Um, of how descriptive the book can be with like its visual like description of of nature and organisms and 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 the overall um, natural landscape and stuff like that. Cool. Well, why don't you go ahead and kick that off then? No, <laughs> just kidding. This is more of like uh, an example of what happens primarily in the book are or, or descriptions like this. Rough channels of water meandered out in a maze through a forest of reeds on the canal side, and islands, oases of wind-contorted trees, appeared in the distance like sudden revelations. This was, like, everywhere in the book. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Um, this is uh, more for the end of this, but there's another um, very nice description about paragraph long. I'm not going into that specifically. I'll read just the last sentence or two. The beauty of it cannot be understood either, and when you see beauty in desolation, it changes something inside you. Desolation tries to colonize you. That was our one. That was. I liked that a lot. I had to ask Rob for that one back. He fought for me. He fought me for it. Um, This quote uh, goes into that tunnel slash tower that we were talking about earlier, and... um, uh, taps into a little of that like fearful fascination that uh, I really felt a lot through House of Leaves that we mentioned. Um, <clears throat> something about the idea of a tower that headed straight down played with a twinned sensation of vertigo and a fascination with structure. I could not tell which part I craved and which I feared, and I kept seeing the inside of nautilus shells and other naturally occurring patterns balanced against a sudden leap off a cliff into the unknown. That should be the whole synopsis right there. I would read the shit out of a book that had that as a synopsis. <laughs> um, this one is... Uh, I'm going to go a little bit back to story to kind of explain. Um, it, there's a point where the biologist finds um, some writing um, that you know that she can read that's written you know, in English. She understands it and she can read it. 
Now, I'm read because I really, really like the first passage of this, but did you notice that that was totally written by, like, David Foster Wallace? Because as you got more and more of it, there was absolutely no punctuation. It's just one really, really, really long sentence. I missed that. that. No? Yeah, so David Foster Wallace wrote some stuff down, and the biologist found it, and here's the beginning of it. Where lies the strangling fruit that came from the hand of the sinner? I shall bring forth the seeds of the dead to share with the worms that dot, dot, dot. So it's all I wanted to read of it, but um, I really like that. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, got a quick one that um, was just talking. Th- this plays into how we were talking about the government only giving them specific information about what area X is and what to expect. The map had been the first form of misdirection for what was a map, but a way of emphasizing some things and making other things invisible. There you go. It was like typical throughout the book is just the narrator's um, understanding of the evil or not so good intentions of people and things around her, but just like her kind of oddly complacent acceptance of those things. It was interesting to get used to. I I did like, um, I did quite enjoy kind of the, um, the, the idea of like an ecosystem like she mm-hmm. talks about how she got into biology and, and there's this this pool where she lived that no one ever cared for and it wound up having all types of growth in it and frogs and how it became its own e- ecosystem and how she kind of revisits that concept throughout the course of her journal. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be kind of fairly fascinating stuff, although I don't have any quotes from that. But I do have this. <laughs> I thought this kind of um, would give you a good feel for kind of Area X and it's just one line. Uh, and again, I don't think this is too spoiler or anything, but here it is. I was not sure, given the logic of this place, that I had truly killed someone now. Mm. And I kind of thought that summed up Area X pretty well. <laughs> um, just another quick uh, uh, shot at description that I really enjoyed. Some of the houses had, over time, slid into the canal to the left and looks in their skeletal remains like creatures struggling to leave the water. I'm thinking that might be kind of a grammatical error. Maybe looked. Um, I don't know, but anyway. uh, I dug that until I found that it was kind of an awkwardly stated (laughs) sentence. Um, Creatures struggling to leave the water was was kind of a creepy creepy thing. Um, You any more quotes? Nope, I'm all done. All right, I'm going to do one more. This I just found kind of goofy, um, and I liked. <laughs> and I'm not going to do a setup for it, because uh, you'll just have to guess where amongst the insanity this part happened. In my absence, the surveyor had become a kind of frenzied serial killer of the inanimate. That was yeah. a very cool line, and somehow I missed that one when I was reading. I just didn't catch how great that was until you just read it. Yeah. <clears throat> Can I say one thing? You mentioned um, uh, the the narrator's fascination with ecosystems uh, when mm. she was like a, a kid, and you know throughout her life, and and that happens quite frequently in uh, in the book. Is we flash back to her, um, uh, you know, observing. She's very um, obsessed with the idea of observing of observing um, an ecosystem, uh, but not interfering with it. Um, and it was, you know, one of her most, um, staunch qualities is her, her insistence of like being an outsider and not messing with things. 
Um, and the interesting thing about her character and the development of her character is that throughout this book, um, it seems like her willingness to step over that line is definitely challenged. And we get to see how that changes when she's inside of Area X, which I think is, is probably one of the most profound things of the book. Look at you getting all smart while reading this book. Well, you know, sometimes it's because I've had a beer and a half. There you go. Now you're going to wax philosophical for the rest of the episode. It's none of your business what I wax. Wow. Yeah, no. So yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Uh, all right. Uh, um. All right. So I know we're going to do, we usually do wrap-ups. Um, and we also, I thought it would be nice to do some Amazon reviews. What do you want to do first? Um, we should probably do ours first, since since we're the actual experts and have a book review podcast. Then we'll read some some amateur hour stuff after that. How's that sound? Yeah. All right. You kick it off then. All right. So uh, science fiction. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> getting this book, and I like to think of was, yeah, I'm really glad this is only 200 pages because I was really really prepared to not um, to not be into this. Um, that being said, for reasons I mentioned before, um, although it was very, very dense in some parts and maybe a little too, um, what was the word I was looking? What was the word that we we coined earlier this evening? Oh, um, first personal. First personal, maybe a little too first personal in some spots. Um, we're really made up for, as Rob said, anticipation. You want to know how this expedition falls apart because you know it's going to. Not only because the previous eleven have. But you get clues, right? It's like page three, maybe, that all four of these people are not going to make it out of this um, at all. So, um, But, man, what really turned me on to this, not only the anticipation, but like I said, that sense of dread that um, we've tried to read some horror books and they have all lacked that particular part, the dread. And I really like that. I mean, I found it um, um, frightening enough in, in places to, to really be able to get behind and support this, even though it's a little more science fiction-y than I, uh, than I normally um, prefer. But um, he does just a fantastic job, as Rob said. The visual descriptions are absolutely fantastic. It's uh, scary enough. Uh, I don't know if that was the actual intention or not, but it definitely delivered on that level for me. And I kept turning pages wanting to figure out how, it, uh, how it's all going to end. So uh, that being said, I actually want really enjoying it. It's four stars. All right. <clears throat> first time i've read anything by jeff vandermeer um although i knew he had written or created that book about uh steampunk stuff and um he had recently done i think uh at some point last year that whole big book about writing in weird um worlds and stuff like that so i can't remember the name of it um it's probably got the word weird right in it uh so uh my impression was that he was an authority on unconventional um um, writing in the context of like steampunk and, and weird fiction and stuff like that. So, um, he'd also pretty well respected and, and well, I mean, you know, from the reviews and the people who hold him in high regard, um, I was expecting kind of good writing. So going into this, uh, it was one of those, it's going to be more difficult to please me, but he did a great job. Um, the, the story is very compelling throughout. Um, uh, it, it, keeps you in suspense it keeps you wanting to know what's going on um i have no criticisms about the character development and um and we'll talk a little bit i think we're going to probably look at some reviews from other people but um the 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 i mean really this is a book about the biologist and uh 
uh, her char- her development as a character and and how it ties in with what we see of her youth and her her life uh, as an adult that entire change throughout was was fantastic and um and I and I really I thought it was one of the strongest parts of the book um just visually stunning descriptions and he just created an entire world where um uh, at the same time you were scared uh but you were also curious like you always wanted to know like this thing that you're about to face could be the most terrifying thing ever or it could be a beautiful part of nature so there was always that kind of tightrope you're walking um and you could you know you could go either way with it but uh he he balanced it quite well i I was very impressed with the book so i'm going to go four and a half four and a half stars on this very cool um can i i'm going to correct my assumption uh, as people in the know may may already have been yelling at their uh, ipod or or their car stereo or whatever they're listening on uh, the next book um, is is not uh, authority is not two hundred pages it's three hundred and fifty two. Hey, yeah. So it's well, it's not six hundred. No, but if people are like hey, it's three hundred because yeah, people I'm sure have already bought it. It's available for pre order. So I'm sure I'm not the first one to stumble upon this piece of information. But yeah, so the sequel, which will be out May sixth, according to Amazon, three hundred and fifty two pages, and it has a picture of a rabbit and a iPhone. I think on the cover. <laughs> I saw that. It looked interesting. Yeah, so, we'll see. Um, there you go. When I think so of yeah, authority, I think across. of rabbits and iPhones. Well, yeah, of course. It's very authoritative that way. <laughs> um, so Rob had looked at some Amazon reviews, which we haven't done in a while, and it seems like there are some that are very interesting. I would like to say that for a lot of when we do look at these, they're usually not quite as spread out as this review, so this does really kind of seem like a love it or hate it book with most people falling into the love it category. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, the best reviews are always what? The bad reviews. Right? <laughs> I, mean, I let's love, face yeah. It. Yeah. 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 Five-star reviews are only good if you're reviewing like James Patterson stuff. So That's true. Um, I mentioned, and I don't know if you want to read any of this, but... Uh, uh, I mentioned that we're the the experts, and I, I stand corrected on Amazon with a two star review of boring and inconclusive. Um, is uh, God, I mean, I kind of feel dumb now. Like I, I want to go back and rethink this book. Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, <laughs> we're Obi Wan Kenobi. If there's yeah, if there's a, a better expert in science fiction, I, I don't know who it would be. So yeah. we're gonna have to rethink our our star system. Dude, just down with the force and shit. Star system. Uh, oh, god uh, damn it. Uh, oh, god, it hurts. <laughs> oh, that was a great joke a long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> so, yeah, nothing to really read there other than Obi-Wan Kenobi. Apparently did not like this book. Let's see what other books Obi-Wan has reviewed. <laughs> uh, let's see God of War Ascension Collector's Edition for the Playstation 3 uh, a Millennium Falcon Silicone Tray I don't <laughs> know what that is some Skull Candy S2 IKDY 144 Inked 2.0 earbuds with Mike um, I agree oh, with him those are four, they're 4 stars I've, I've had those before they are 4 stars he's correct a Lamaze Play and Grow Freddy the Firefly Take Along Toy. <laughs> That's good. 
And this guy may have bought a $485 Lego Star Wars Imperial Shuttle. Yep, it's an Amazon verified purchase. Wow. Obi-Wan. So Obi-Wan has never read a book before. I don't know if we could take his his um his uh his review seriously. All right. Well, yeah, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to go to the dark side on this one and, and disagree with him. Um all right, I found another one I really liked. And, you know, I got to tell you, I used to have a lot of respect for this lady. Because um, I, I saw her in, uh, she's terrific in Twister. And on the show Mad About You, Ellen Hunt. <laughs> I liked her in um, As Good As It Gets. Yeah, yeah, that was okay too. But Ellen Hunt says, Obviously a trilogy and waste of time and money. If I wanted to buy the first chapters of the whole book, I would have bought. I would have bought this. Let's stop stretching everything into trilogies when there's not enough there to complete the first book. Now, initially, I thought the same thing. Rob and I had talked before the episode, and even at the beginning, I was like, yeah, it's going to be like three 200-page books. I don't know why this did just come out as one um, full novel. But now seeing 350 on the next one, and who knows what on the third one. Um, I mean, I could see where this could be broken up into three very separate stories all about Area X. But, uh, Alan, you just lost some... Uh, you just lost some some uh, cool points with me for your review. Still crazy hot, though, for being, like, 70 or whatever she is. <laughs> I don't know if she's 70. Um, she was born in 1963. That makes her 70, right? That's Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I should have done the math. Yeah. Um, all right. Just a quick one from Fandel69. I'm assuming Fandel was born in 1969. Um, forced myself to read just past the 50%. Mark, and Mark is capitalized, so I don't know, 50% Mark. Um, And I wish I dropped it after the first chapter. This book is total neurotic garbage and extended descriptions of meaningless, useless junk. Spend your time and money on a better book. Let's see if Fandel69 has spent their time and money on a better book. Uh, Acorn Men's Polar Navy Woodblock Slippers. Those are really nice slippers. Look at that. They look nice. They have a durable bottom. Like Fandel's mama. You need... (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing. So Fandel hasn't read another book from Amazon either. I'm starting to see a pattern here. Apparently, if you've never read a book before, don't read this book. Don't read Annihilation. Don't make it your first book. I just looked at another one-star review. No other books. Here's what here's what I'm wondering. If they haven't read any books before, how are they finding out about this book? Um, I, I oh, here's I don't know, but here's one that's an avid reader. Let's see what an avid reader. Uh, this guy read The Emperor's Blades, Chronicles of the Unhewn Throne, Tenth of December, which was mentioned here. Well, actually, it wasn't mentioned here. I guess it was mentioned on um, um on This Is Horror. Uh, oh right, right, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Neil Gaiman. He liked the Neil Gaiman book, Ocean at the End of the Lane. Yeah, I really mostly. Like book. This guy's read a lot of stuff. Roger Zelazny. Oh, the best sci-fi book ever. Lord of Light by Roger Zelazny. Yeah. All right. After the after the durable bottom, I think I just kind of lost interest in Amazon reviews. <laughs> Well, you were—I told you—you were nice just being way, way too smart. So we had to, I had to draw that back, Sean Ferguson style. 
talking about <laughs> someone's mom. That makes sense. Yep. So. All right, so uh, that's it for. I think that's. I think we're good on uh, Mr. Vandermeer, right? I think we're good. Oh, we we might we might we do have a tentative schedule for uh, having Mr. Vandermeer on to talk about this book and the next book. And uh, I close the page, but about that guy's mama, whatever his name was. <laughs> Do you Fan think we can get Jeff Fandel. Vandermeer to talk about that guy's, Fandel 69's mama? You know, here's the whole thing. I don't know if he's going to hear this or not, because I would say <laughs> if we knew that he didn't, we should have a bet of some sort and see if we can get him to do it. But if he heard this, then it wouldn't be any fun. <laughs> All right. All right. We're probably, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and guess that he might, he might be above that. Maybe. If you, if you read Todd Brown's uh, website, he just did a big blog about not complaining about your your one star reviews. So yeah. that's uh that's that's yeah. But well, all right, it was a review of the slipper. So <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, so yeah, there may be more Mister Vandermeer if um, we decide that this episode didn't entirely kill our podcast. There may be some more Vandermeer in the near future. Oh, all right. What, uh, what else do we have going on, sir? I can't get over the durable bottom. <laughs> well, all right. I'm going to bring up this one, even though it's your thing. So you recently received a book from somebody, right? Yeah, just today at work. Um, this guy, he's kind of funny. He came up to me and he's like, oh, you know, I, I, I got you something. Make sure you let me know before you leave. And I took him all seriously. I, was, I didn't expect anything from him, so I had no idea what was going on. And so uh getting ready to leave for the day and he comes up and he's like oh hey hey look, come come with me and let me i can borrow you for a second so I, I follow him and he goes and he grabs something out of his his bag and and it's um it's a it's an it's a bag um with a book inside so i open up the bag and i look in and it is a paperback mass market copy of um the novelization of snakes on a plane written by krista faust this is so weird in so many ways the first thing I thought was, did I, I, now I've never seen the movie, but I, I did it really need a novelization? Uh, probably not. I actually did. <laughs> I don't know why, but it was one of those like filling the void moments. I did watch the movie. It was terrible, um, and I can say with authority that I don't think it needed a novelization. But I think people felt it needed a novelization. Um, it's very cool that Krista Faust um, wrote it. We really enjoyed her um, her Fringe novelization, which was very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, will you actually be reading Snakes on a Plane, the novelization? I don't know, but I think at the back of the book it said that there's like a, a sequel. Even which... more Snakes on a Plane? Snakes, snakes-er? I don't remember... I don't remember. I'll have to like uh, maybe I'll put it in the show notes on the on the website or something. But there was definitely a title for a sequel. That's really um, that yeah yeah. I, I don't know what to say about that. But it was very nice of your coworker to think of you. It was very thoughtful. Um, all right. So speaking of books that didn't need to be um, novelized, <laughs> I guess. Um, man, what was it like four months ago? We reviewed the Returned. Remember that. Uh, yeah, um, of course I do. Jason Mott. Jason uh, Mott. Dead people returning from the dead. Uh, well, the TV show that we talked about then has hit the airwaves. Apparently, like, 20 million people tuned in 
to watch uh, Resurrection, which is based on Jason Mott's book The Returned, which is based on a TV show from like Sweden called The Returned, which was based on a book written in Sweden called, I think, <laughs> The Returned in Swedish, which is probably all based on a book by the guy who wrote um, um, Let the Right One In, whose name escapes me now because it's unpronounceable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's my review. <clears throat> it starts off exactly like uh, the book, but worse. <sighs> but worse. Dude, all right. Listen, if you haven't watched it yet, don't. Um, if you want to read the book, I don't care because it's terrible. Dude, this whole it starts off with with uh, you remember Bellamy, Agent Bellamy, who's the the African American guy who brings the kid back to his mm-hmm. family, yeah. uh, Jacob. Um, in this, Bellamy is like a guy who works with like immigration, and there's no previous knowledge of dead people returning to life. Like Jacob is like patient zero. And Jacob, who returns, is going to be able to solve a 32-year-old mystery because he had an aunt that died, uh, everyone thought, trying to save him from the river. This is all chapter one stuff from the book but um, right. and from the TV show. It's from, like, the first 15 minutes. But that's not what happened. So he had an aunt that also died, but Jacob is now going to be able to, to solve a murder from 32 years ago. So he's a material witness in, like, a three-decade-old crime? Yep. Hey. Yeah, sounds pretty awful. I'm going to go ahead and yeah. think that's awful. Yeah, I'm going to watch like another episode, probably just to report back here, and then I'm probably going to call it on Resurrection. <laughs> All right. Um, does have well, that black guy from House in it. I like him. From House? Uh, I never watched that show, but oh. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I like him. He's cool. Wait, was it the character that didn't like House? Yes, it was a character right. that didn't like us. Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. Very good, very good. Um, I got. I don't even know how to introduce this, but we kept a secret for over a year, Livius. We did. So um, some of you may have remembered when we were kind of promoting our FCJR um, YouTube channel, um, which was all a fairly elaborate at the time. I thought it was fairly elaborate inside joke um, regarding Caleb J. Ross, um, a former guest on the show, <laughs> and uh, basically made a series of videos um, that were about a fictional book called FCJR, um, which stands for Fuck Caleb J. Ross, um, and we had people review the book and give their thoughts on the author. That was pretty elaborate, right? Which was for a awesome. Prank? Yeah, that was kind of elaborate, right? Yeah. It was a lot of time spent on pretty much nothing. Yeah. So, um, as sometimes happens around the book studios, one of us has an idea where we could waste even more time on nothing. <laughs> so, I'll let you take it from here, Rob. This is your baby. So, I got it in my head. All right. <laughs> so, the prank is over. We did the fake book review, or the fake reviews of the book. Um, this is going to die out, and everybody's going to think, oh, that's a fun time, and put it in the past. No one's ever going to expect we're actually going to make the book. Which is why it would be the perfect thing to do. And uh, so um, Misty Bennett, who was the... uh, Livius and Misty Bennett, uh, who was the the creator originally of the FCJR hashtag, um, were were down for starting up a project where we'd actually make the book. Um, So we we, uh, got the ball rolling on it. I think in January of 2013, in a very unofficial capacity. But um, after the book anthology came out and things died down with that, 
like November, December, October, November, December, um, I actually reached out to a bunch of people and said, hey, want to actually do this? And we got 16 people to write, you know, quick stories about um, Caleb Ross being a terrible, terrible dick face. And we made a book out of it, a hardcover book. We did. Um, clocks in at 87 pages, 85 pages. Eh, something like that, yeah. Complete with artwork. There's some, even some artwork in there. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun to do. Um, you get actually uh, stories in there, and not only by Rob Olson, but by me, too. And then a bunch of very familiar names from people who listen to the podcast. But uh, it's a lot of fun to work on, and uh, Caleb, uh, Caleb got what Caleb deserves, FCJR. FCJR. We even have a three-minute reaction video uh, from uh, when we unveiled the book to him in uh, in Seattle recently at AWP, which was uh, very entertaining as well. Now I know that people are thinking, "Where can I get a copy of this?" Well, guess what? You can't. You had to have been a contributor. So t- yeah, that's right. So we made a book with the express intent of never selling it to anybody. So mm-hmm. it's so exclusive that it's only available to the people who wrote the stories and possibly. A very few, very special other people. So, um, if you want to read these really fun stories making fun of Caleb Roth, uh, we made it almost impossible for you to do so. Become very special, apparently, is what you have to do. We don't know what that means, but if you can figure <laughs> out a way to become really special, um, you can do that. So, it was a lot of fun to do, and like I said, uh, probably the most elaborate prank I've ever been involved in. That's right. Um, you know what I think is special? Hmm. Lots of money. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can uh, start offering Rob uh, considerable uh, tribute, and um, perhaps a, a copy of that book will show up at your front door. Maybe we'll see. Possibly. Yep. So, speaking of a lot of money, um, Lit Reactor, who you got to hang out with um, in Seattle recently, Chuck Polinick, guest instructor at uh, at Lit Reactor. That's pretty goddamn cool. Yeah, um, I guess they just, um, I can't, uh, Suze, uh, Susie Vitello, is that the name? Mm, sure. I have no idea. I know the last name is Vitello. It's a name that starts with S, and I feel like an asshole for not knowing it, but um, is, is doing a class that's coming up soon, and um, it was finagled and worked out that actually Chuck Polnick was going to be, in some capacity, a guest instructor for the, the class. So Hey, want to get in on that? You can't. Too late. Much like FCJR. We're going to tell you about all the things you can't do this week. <laughs> uh, that bitch sold out. Not surprisingly, either. Before it actually went on sale. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that's like on Amazon when you can be up in the ranks from pre-orders. I think it's kind of the same thing. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So. so there you go. Good news. Paul and Nick teaching a class at Lit Reactor. Bad news. You can't get in. That's right. Are you taking that class, Rob? Uh, dude, I don't have time to be honest. Through, through your connections at Lit Reactor, are you mm-hmm. able to kind of weasel your way in there? I I could, you know what? I could not. Um, I didn't try though, so I'm gonna attribute most of my downfall to not having thought to ask. <laughs> but no, I there won't be go. participating in that. Um, but you know, whoever is, um. I'm looking forward to you uh, writing an excellent book, hopefully. Um, that was only 375 bucks for that class. That's pretty cheap for uh, Paul and Nick. 
maybe ooh, what do you think you think he's on hard times uh, it could be. Oh, see, but your instructor is Susie Patello and Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah. Oh, come on, Chuck. Tell tell us tell us it ain't so. <laughs> tell us this isn't a James Patterson move. <laughs> Susie Patello is going to do all the work. He's just putting his name on it. Yeah, which is still like be like I was in a class with Chuck Palahniuk. That'd probably be worth the three seventy five anyway. That's true. People are going to be putting it on there like resumes and stuff. Yeah, I would. I, told, I might do it without even taking the class. <laughs> hey, as long as he doesn't put his name on an anthology without uh, contributing to it, I think we're good. <laughs> oh, wait, <laughs> shit. Oh, and. you know what? Last week we teased some news, and I think we just need to keep teasing the news. Because I'm enjoying right. this, just keeping it to ourselves. So, uh, last week we teased some things. Uh, you, you thought you might get to hear it this week. Guess what? Much like everything else, no go. So we have some very, very cool stuff on the horizon. I think we'll be able to really talk about it next week. We're just waiting on uh, one particular meeting to happen. And uh, we may be telling you about the, the future future of the book podcast. I will say we have made progress. Mm-hmm. It's not as if we're at the same point we were the last time. Um, we, we have made progress, and um, yeah, there's some interesting stuff in our in our future, so I'm very excited about it. As am I. So perhaps next week, on top of, and I'm going to give you a very, very vague kind of what next episode might look like, we might have Jeff Vandermeer on, we might talk about a comic book, and we might talk about a movie. <laughs> and and we might talk about some very cool news for the book podcast. And I promise that I will do my best to um, steer the conversation in the direction of things that you can participate in or purchase. <laughs> But Fandel, Fandel, was that his name? <laughs> Fandel sixty nine. Yeah, we're gonna talk about Fandel's mama some more <laughs> next time on Booked. I'm Livia Snudden, and I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.